Thanks for joining us for episode seven of This Life's Work with Charles Ratliff and Friends. I'm Dana Schlegenhaft, and of course, I'm joined at Haxton Road Studios by our host, Charles Ratliff. Good hey, morning, hey, Charles. Hey, good morning, Dana. Good to see you again. Good to see you, too. You know, uh, one of the things I watched growing up was a, a show called Mr. Rogers, and everyone you know, remembers he was a very loved children's television host. Um, he has a saying, and it pops up a lot on social media during crisis, but he says, when I was a boy... I would see scary things in the news. My mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You always will find people who are helping. And a lot of times the most heartbreaking stories that we read here in Northwest Arkansas are about children in need. And whether it's a typical year or this year, 2020, uh, the infamous 2020, during the pandemic, we hear about children um, maybe eating their only meals at school or suffering through abusive situations or needing just basic necessities when they get to school each day. Charles, we're going to introduce everyone to Amanda and Gabby, and they're the helpers. They're the people we focus on that make real change. And so I'm really excited to, to chat about right. that positive look on what you do yeah, for thank, the community. Thank goodness for helpers right. and, uh, and ladies like this. Uh, by the way, welcome to both of you. Thanks for coming and sharing some time with us this morning. Amanda Music, good to see you again. Yeah, it's good to see you, Charles. Amanda's the Director of Student Services at Bentonville Schools. And uh, Gabby Steen, good morning, Gabby. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for coming. Uh, licensed Master Social Worker for the schools, and we want to welcome each of you this morning. And uh, Amanda, I want to talk just a minute about the Bright Futures program and how we uh how we came to know each other so uh about six years ago i attended an education forum that included a presentation by the joplin uh, school superintendent and uh, he talked about this program called bright futures that they were using and i was very intrigued and he, he he said it's a program that connects available services in the area to the kids in school that are in need and he, he talked quite a bit about the direct correlation to keeping kids in school, uh, higher graduation rates, and as we all know, it's not only good for the kids, it's good for the families and it's good for the rest of us uh, if we can keep the kids in school. Uh, I, I just, I loved it. I called Tom C. and Mike Mumaw, friends of mine. Uh, we met with uh, the superintendent at the time, Michael Poor, on a couple of occasions. He loved it. He had us present it to the school board. They signed off on it. I'll never forget that as soon as we uh, got the school board approval, Mike Mumaw says, we need Amanda music. We need Amanda music. <laughs> I said, uh, and I learned why, Dana, after a while, because we uh, actually started, I called her Amanda the Amazing, because if you needed something done in the school system, we'd call Amanda, and stuff happens pretty quick. So uh, we started that program with the bang. We had a community breakfast. I mean, it was a big deal. It was well attended. Uh, a lot of folks involved, and uh, we had a good start, Amanda. We did. We had a great start. Um, we had judges there from um, our county court judges. We had different people that um, represented the 501, you know, 501 3Cs yep. and different nonprofits. We had school people. Um, we had law enforcement. Churches. And so, yeah, churches. And so it was great to see the community coming together to support our children. Exactly. Uh, give a better description than I did about 
about the program, Bright Futures? Right. Well, um, Bright Futures, um, we consider that an initiative in Bentonville schools. It is a grassroots initiative in which um, all of our school people, from counselors to teachers, principals, social workers, um, bus drivers, cafeteria workers, we all come together. And when we see a student that or we can identify a student in need, we um, get that communication ball rolling and see what kind of resources we need in order to support that student. We try to provide those resources within 24 hours. Some resources are pretty easy to gather, um, food, clothing, um, health and beauty supplies, but sometimes it does take a little more than 24 hours when we're looking at something like an eviction or you know utility bills and some of those multi-layered problems and issues that families face. Do you still have the storeroom there? We do, we do. We've moved offices and um, we have a storeroom. We have a new community resource liaison named Lynn Ruda. She assists our social worker. She's fabulous. You need to come see it, Charles. I do. She is a professional organizer on the side, so it's amazing. Oh, wow. <laughs> we Great. have food, bedding, clothing, um, HBA supplies, we have everything, um, and we have our counselors come throughout the district and use those supplies and get those out to our children. Awesome. You know, Amanda, as you're talking, I'm thinking of the word mobilize, and I'm going to switch to Gabby here and kind of bring you into the conversation, but you all find a situation and you mobilize within 24 hours. A lot of times you're in there making, you know, substantial change to that Mm -hmm. child's life. Kind of tell me a little more about, you know, a situation, kind of show us how that works. Yeah. So like we had said, those 24 hours are pretty important as far as getting whatever basic needs we can met to remove whatever barriers we can for school and for that child's well-being. So we... um we like to gra- gather what we can from our own stock room that we had mentioned, but I worked with a family who experienced constant continuous homelessness, negative situations, moving in with family and friends repeatedly who had just finally gotten their own place, had a chance to you know land on their own feet. So we, from our backroom and community resources within those 24 hours, were able to get the child set up with a mattress, bedding, with her own clothing. We stopped by with food, um, cooking utensils, kitchen appliances, like, you know, pots and pans and stuff that we were able to get them in a safe and comfortable environment within those 24 hours of her moving in so that they could have that safe space and that place of comfort that they can from there be a little bit more um, sustainable and a little bit more self-reliant as far as as long as we could cover those needs for them. There's a little bit less... Um, less on their shoulders to move mm, forward with right. rent assistance and that kind of stuff. They can continue on their own. So I imagine, I mean, you're stepping in for the child, but really you're stepping in and helping the whole family mm-hmm. and uh, the burden that you're taking off, you know, all of their shoulders. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you get a lot of response from them or feedback from them when these things are going on? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, you'll see, um, as you can imagine, very different reactions from family to family. Um, it's always emotional and always um, really great to see and to be a part of, um, but that this child, for instance, was just so excited to have their own space. That was so new to them, um, to have their own bed, their own bedding, and being able to make her bed with her new comforter and pillows and um, was just so emotional, so so proud to show her room, so proud to show her apartment to us. So, And a child's well-being is their family. So we do, by extension, try to help out the family as much as we can and get them in a place where they can all just have a little bit 
less weight on their shoulders. So. I'm already getting emotional because we all take for granted, you know, having a space for our children, mm-hmm. having a bed, you know, my kids have a room filled with things and, and they take that completely for granted. Mm-hmm. And the fact that that child, the, the response and the change that I'm sure then that reflects in their schooling as well. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, we work very closely with the school counselors in our social work department. So just, you know, sending them back to school the next day is already a totally different story. It's a a student that they would meet with regularly. They would help out with food, which we, you know, supplied some more at the home front. They already notice a difference as far as their perception, their mood, the way they interact with their teachers, with their peers, because they're coming from a more comfortable place. So when they get into this school, there's no longer that immediate need to give them comfort because they already have a little bit more in their home environment. So it's definitely a quick, a quick change that we see and it's usually for the best. So it's always nice to help out there. Don't, don't make me cry today because (laughs) you guys start telling those stories. I get, uh, and if I don't say it, uh, let me thank you now for the work that you do. And, uh, because I know I couldn't do it. You guys are so emotionally invested in these kids Mm -hmm. You just do a wonderful job with you with it, and we appreciate you for doing that. Uh, but Amanda, uh, while Gabe was talking, it reminded me of uh, this pandemic hit. I called you because I thought, oh boy, this is going to be a really tough one. And and you were, I think you'd had coffee. You were really <laughs> <laughs> energized, <laughs> and uh, and uh, gave me quite a bit of detail. But could you take us back there a minute and and talk about that, and then. Um, if you have observations on the effects now you've seen the last six or seven months about kids? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, in March, our schools closed due to the pandemic, and um, every student was sent home with a Chromebook. So we had technology sent home with every student in the district. Um, our executive team and Dr. Jones, the superintendent, they were really on top of that to help support families and help them get the internet so that everyone could um, still be a part of their education. We did um, distribute um, from March until the end of school over 85,000 meals to students. How's that, how is that possible, really? Right. Well, it took um, a lot of people working together, Airmark, our food service contractor, um, even our bus drivers, and um, instructional assistants all came together. We had five different distribution areas in Bentonville, Centerton, and Bella Vista. And you would just drive through, grab a breakfast and a lunch for that day, and, um, and off they went. We had some families that were not able to access those distribution points. So we delivered to over 100 kids daily. That was about our average. Um, they received their meals at their, at their door stops our doorsteps. And um, then we also had about, let's see, um, 12 to 15 families that we packed extra food for for the week. And so those food boxes went out and were delivered to those families' doors. And we distributed about a thousand snack packs on Friday to everyone that went through the line or we delivered to. Wow. That's amazing. And a lot of those children, the, and that was the concern. When school abruptly ended, that was their source of nutrition and a lot of them it was probably their only full meal that they would get so you guys kind of sprung into action and this was something that has been unprecedented sure so tell tell me a little bit about you know the reaction of school got shut down and now you're you know springing into action to make sure these kids have food well you know um 
when, when there's something unprecedented or there's an emergency or our students are doing without, we all come together as a district, um, from Dr. Jones, to, you know, down the line. And so um, our, our, our thing is we want to support kids. All of those meals were free of charge. So if you were 18 and younger, you could go through the line, grab a meal. You didn't have to be a Bentonville School student. Um, so it was just a really good way to support the community in that way. Through that process, uh, Gabby, what changes did you see in the kids, or, or how did they respond to that, and what did you see in their behavior when they returned to school this fall? I think more of what we saw was, as far as when starting off with those meal pickups and deliveries, was that change in the families as a whole, and the parents who were trying to not only cope with the pandemic and the virtual schooling and loss of jobs for some families, but really try to work that out for their kids as far as their understanding and how to really provide for them with such a limited sect of resources, I guess. So we saw a lot of confusion, a lot of I guess, crisis intervention that needed to be done as far as getting those meals to families, getting those questions answered. And then we talked earlier about connecting different community resources, really trying to make that apparent for families on who was offering what as everything was changing constantly, where you could access this information, where you could access the food. So I think that what we really saw coming back into was a new understanding for how, you know, sometimes the school district has to really pull together very quickly, very unexpectedly. And I think that we saw a lot of grateful parents. We saw a lot of relieved parents as far as, I mean, we know, we know now that we can do it. We can figure out, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever the situation may be, whether it's small changes or a pandemic. Um, I think that everybody came back feeling a little bit more sound on if something, you know, were to happen, we can figure out how to reach those people. You know, uh, you remind me of uh, what you guys really do well. This, I mean, that's amazing. That's a great story. Uh, when I was at Walmart several years ago, one of the areas I had responsibility for was a health insurance area. Mm-hmm. And we got people with cancer a call. And what they need is information and direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I worked with Cancer Challenge Group and later uh, Hope Cancer Resources. It was the same thing. Matter of fact, Hope Cancer Resources, Dana, had a position called Navigator because of all the it's there's a lot of help and there's a lot of information but to get that person or that group that can get the information to the right people is a lot more challenging than most of us know mm-hmm. and you're emotionally charged when you're trying to get that information I mean, well, you've got emotions going you need someone to can kind you of- imagine and well this was the same thing i was thinking as gabby was talking initially none of us knew what we were dealing with with this i mean we yeah. we had no idea we were scared to death if you listen to the media stories that you know a lot of us going to die mm-hmm. So we were adjusting, and I know uh, uh, we own a, a preschool, and initially parents were just frantic. And then now as we've had more information and we've gone through uh, a few more months of it, there's a lot less of that. But I wanted to ask you, Amanda, specifically, I know you and I have talked about some of the news articles we've read. Dana and I have talked about the um, – there, there are some statistics out there related to – uh, family issues and children well-being that aren't positive. You know, students and the especially those students in which we're concerned about and and we watch that may not come from you know a, a, a great home life. We really have our teachers and and school people are really the 
the eyes on the ground for those students and they can watch them and you know know if there's an abusive situation and during the pandemic you know those hotline calls when we do see abuse you know of course we didn't we weren't seeing those kids daily so those decreased significantly and so you know that's always a concern now that school's back in i think those hotline calls are you know going back um, back to that steady line but just to be able to see kids and check on them and make sure their needs are met um, is very crucial for for our educational family you know amanda we're not in the clear and gabby we're still within the, the confines of 2020 which has just been a crazy year so you will continue to provide probably additional services, kind of hybrid services that as we're continuing through this pandemic. Kind of tell me about what you guys have planned and how you pull in all these different organizations to help you. Yeah, so communication is the key. And that's from the school district going out to parents for what we know. Um, it was even during the pandemic when schools were closed, I would text the social workers, you know, day, night, weekends, we would get families added to the list, families that didn't need require meals anymore, we would get them subtracted from the list or off the list. And so I think communication is a huge key on how we go from here. Uh, Dr. Jones sent out an email to parents last week of the high school and said, um, we have some cases in the schools and you have an option to go, you, it's totally up to you. Your child can stay home from two, for two weeks and go to virtual learning, or they can come to school and, and do blended learning. So I think that we continue to adapt. That was only for high school students because that's where we saw, you know, some possible issues with, with the virus. And so we continue to, um, at, you know, we're kind of um, juggling a lot of plates and building that plane in the air um, as we're flying. But, you know, I think it's that really um, smart, intelligent, cognitive response to, to issues as they come up. And so I feel like our district is really um, on top of that um, and able to support kids and modify things. We've never had... Um, split, you know, learning situations with virtual and blended. And we certainly haven't ever said, well, we're going to do this for high school and K-8, this is what we're going to do. But, you know, you just have to go with it and, and you know, be able to support students in their learning and keep them safe. I'm still thinking about that uh, 85,000 meals. And what it reminds me of, Amanda, is when I first started working with you a few years ago uh, with uh, Bright Futures, was really how little probably most of us in the public know about uh, what you do and, and the uh, school system, and it's just amazing. And uh, so if you would talk a little bit about the volunteers, the contributions, or the uh, suppliers. This is a community event. You get churches involved, as you, as you spoke earlier. It's really a great reflection, I think, of uh, the community here in Bentonville. But uh, so I went to the website and just jotted down a few of these because I know you have a bunch. You had events, and you might pick any of these out and talk about them or add to them and let us know who helps you with those. Fill the bus, virtual school su supply drive, the mayor's milk initiative. Uh, churches providing free lunches, the Deb Project, free laundry service, food drives, and it's a much longer list. Yeah, it is. Um, we're we're so fortunate to live where we where we live and have um, 
oftentimes we have more resources than we have needs. And so that's an amazing thing. Mm -hmm. Um, We have different churches through um, different donations. We have um, a church in Bella Vista, and actually they call it the Undie 500, I believe, <laughs> and they they donate underwear for our kids, and that's something you don't think about, but it's a necessity. Thought, <laughs> yeah, I, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> yeah, so um, that so that's a great um, thing. We have churches that have a benevolence fund; they help with utilities, uh, those kinds of things. We have churches that do various drives, school supplies. Oftentimes, we don't even know. They'll call and say, "Hey, Amanda, we did this drive two weeks ago. Where can we drop this off?" So that's great coats those kinds of things samaritan center is a good friend of ours Mm -hmm. they were able to pack 300 backpacks with school supplies this year and deliver those to us and that was amazing i mean and it wasn't just a few school supplies it was pretty much everything a child on each different level would need so that that was a great blessing for us we have um, United Way helps us um, with fill the bus every year. This year was a virtual fill the bus. And so we had school supplies along with monetary donations that were donated through United Way. You know, we just have uh, Deb, the Deb project is amazing to us. Um, even our school counselor, sometimes we don't even know what goes out. Many times we don't. They, they visit directly with Sammy Laney. And she helps get their needs filled, which is amazing. So now, Sammy owns a clothing store that many people may not know about. Right, right. And I know we had one board, uh, Bright Futures board meeting over there. You did an outstanding job with clothes, shoes, uh, some other necessities. Right, absolutely. Um, it's a resale shop. And, but Sammy is very particular on what she resells and what she takes to resell. So um, if you're ever in the need or you have a need for, for a new outfit, you could actually visit the store and purchase something, or you can actually drop off donations. She takes a lot of those as well. It's a wonderful place to take the clothes your kids have grown, outgrown. Oh, yeah. They take, they take children's yes. clothes and women's clothes. So that's that's a great place. Clothed with compassion. We work with Peggy Hicks from the First Christian Church. She um, sends out a lot of um, brand new clothes for our families and, and gets requests from counselors. That's another great resource that we have in our area. Even Airmark, our food service um, company that we contract with, you know, they're always willing to help. And right now we have, um, through, I believe the end of this year, we have, um, students can eat free. Any student, there's not, we're not charging for meals. And so that's, you know, with a federal grant, but, you know, so that's exciting that any kid can, can get a meal. That's great. And even if you're on virtual, you can come pick up your meals for the week and, and take those home. Dane, I know we're drawing close uh, near the end, but I want to thank these ladies again and all the things that they do. And I know uh, the what they do well enough to know that we're just scratching the surface. And I wish we had time to talk about more of it, but thank you again for spending some time with us this morning. Yeah, thank you. Sharing that Great to us. be here. Thanks, Charles. And it's been a year of a lot of negative stories. It's nice to hear about the helpers mm-hmm. and the people that, you know, we may not always know when we read the headlines that, you're the ones that are you know, the superheroes springing into action mm-hmm. to, to make a change. And so, yeah, I know the community appreciates that. We encourage people to help the helpers, but, you know, thank you. And, and oftentimes, it's a wonderful thing what you do. And oftentimes, Dana, we, we, the headlines don't cover this. They cover, you know, issues that uh, would make us feel like maybe sometimes a contentious community. But this is outstanding, outpouring, heartfelt compassion from the community. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, thank you. It was nice to meet both of you. And thank you. With that, uh, we've hit the end of episode seven of This Life's Work. You can catch every episode of this podcast at theratliffgroup.com or anywhere that podcasts are found online, iTunes, Spotify, podcast apps. We even post them on Facebook. You can come find us on there. Did you enjoy the episode or do you want to contact us and tell us something about the episode? Email us, use the form at theratliffgroup.com or shoot us a note on LinkedIn or Facebook. Take care. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time.